Um, last few weeks, we've been talking about experiencing God. I think we just did. You know, in a pretty powerful way. Thanks, thanks, Musos, and thanks everyone else for for singing. Um, yeah, how good is that? I don't know, how good is it just to be in the moment where you just, I don't know, you feel the spirit at work, you feel the spirit there with you. Like I said, last couple of weeks we've talked about, we've talked about how we experience God. And we've talked about experiencing, or knowing God through our experiences. We've talked about um, experiencing God and, and being able to do like His will and, and sort of engaging in His plans rather than our own plans. Uh, we talked, Simo talked last week about how God pursues us and God actually comes after us. And this week, this week we want to turn our attention to how, like the question still remains to do is how God speaks. In Exodus chapter 3, Moses, who, who's this guy that God calls on to do a, a, a really mighty and powerful job, and we're going to talk a bit about Moses later on, but in Exodus, the start of Exodus chapter 3, Moses uh, is wandering along in the, in the scrub one day with a whole bunch of sheep and he sees this burning bush that's on fire. And as he looks at this burning bush, he thinks, that's a bit weird. And he goes over and investigates and he begins to have a conversation, an audible conversation with God. And God begins to speak with him and, 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 and this, yeah, like I said, there's this conversation, this two-way conversation. He hears God and he responds to God and God hears him and, and, it, and it goes back and forth. I don't know how many times I've thought, wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't it be great to have that sort of an experience? Wouldn't it be like, you know, to be actually be able to just say, God, how are you going? Yeah, good, thanks, Neil. Oh, great. Oh, you're there. Awesome. Okay. Like, you know, and, and you begin this conversation of, all right, now I've got a few things on today I need your help with. Should I be doing this or should I do that? And, oh, no, no, don't do this, do that. Oh, good, good, no worries. And imagine if you, I don't know, I reckon, I reckon, in fact, I don't have my wallet with me, so I think I'm pretty safe, but I reckon if I pulled $50 out of my pocket, I reckon that if you're a Christian and you've been a Christian for a while, I, I, I would be very, very surprised if there's not one person here who's been a Christian for a while that would say, no, no, I've never thought of that. I reckon everybody here has probably thought, wouldn't it be great if we could just have a conversation with God? If we could actually just hear His voice just even once or twice, wouldn't that be good? Or if you are, if, you're, if you might be, for some reason, you might be at church and you might be a complete atheist, if that's you, well, first of all, great to have you here. Uh, but secondly, like, if that's you, then you'd probably be going, well, it never happens, right? Because there is no God. If you're a complete atheist, there is no God. Um, by the way, good to see you guys back. A few college people come back, a few faces, that's great. Wouldn't it be great to have um, that, great, that sort of conversation? Like I said, if you're an atheist, you'll be going, well, it's no point because he doesn't exist. Or maybe you're somewhere in the middle. Maybe you're like, oh, I don't know about this God stuff. Maybe it's real, maybe it's not. And you might be saying to yourself, if I could just hear him, then I would believe. You know, like, I'm a bit of a doubter at the moment and I don't really see how God to be real. There's so much pain in this world. There's so many bad things happening. And if, but if I could hear God's voice, if I could have a conversation like Moses did, then maybe, maybe I would believe. In fact, I'm pretty sure if I heard God's voice really, really clearly, then you know what? I reckon, I reckon it, would be, it would be something that I could sink my teeth into and something that I would believe in. You know, it would be pretty helpful if we could hear God's voice, if we could actually have a, an audible conversation with God. Uh, we just talked about, uh, Richo before, talked, you know, year 11s and 
and the year 12s have gone, there's, I don't think there's any here today, but you know, when you sort of start getting towards the end of your schooling career and your schooling life, not so much a career really, is it? But your schooling life and you, um, <laughs> you'd hope not, <laughs> there are some career students, but um, usually find them at Avondale, don't you? Yeah, yeah. Okay, um, wouldn't it be great if you could get to the end of your, you know, your schooling time and you could go, okay God, what is it going to be? Where should I go? And you know, wouldn't it be good if, you know, if God just, you know, would talk back, God, what do you want me to do with my life? You know, maybe you're sitting in year 10 or 11 and, and you're thinking, all right, I've still got a few options, what, will I, what should I do? And God sort of, you know, called back and said, you know, be an accountant or something like that, you know, and you think, no, I hate maths, oh, marketing or whatever. I don't know, Jason, do you do maths in marketing? I don't know, but, um, uh, or whatever it might be. Or, or if you, you know, you pass the schooling time and, you know, you might have the whole boyfriend, girlfriend thing going on, it's getting a bit serious and, oh, God, is, you know, is he the one? And, no, there's five more yet, you know, or something, whatever it might be, you know, like, it'd be great to be able to hear from God, right? Or even when you're a parent, you know, and this is speaking from experience here, it's like, oh, God, is my, you know, these are real questions, you know, if you're not a parent yet, this will happen one day and your parents would have asked the same thing. God, is this, is this kid really lying to me? Because I just, things don't seem to be adding up. You know, and God's like, yes, of course he is, you know, whatever it might be. Wouldn't it be great if you could actually have a, like, a real life, one-on-one, back and forward communi- communication going on with God? I mean, he knows everything. Right? In fact, I'd probably suggest if you actually could do that, you probably wouldn't really like what God had to say anyway. You'd be like, oh, don't tell me that, you know, like, I don't want to be an accountant or whatever it might be. Um, but it would be really great if we could actually have some of these um, two-way conversations. What if I said to you this morning, what if I said, you know what, God actually wants to talk to us. God actually wants to communicate with us. God actually wants to speak with us. In fact, God tries really hard to speak with us. In fact, you could probably even say God is trying frantically and one of his main mission in life is to try and speak with us. And we often don't hear. Often we don't hear God or we don't know God is speaking to us because we don't hear Him. Often we don't know God is speaking to us. Is because, the reason we don't know God is speaking to us is because we don't actually hear Him. To hear God, and this is where we're going with it this morning, to hear God, we actually really need to know God. To hear God, we need to first know God. I'm going to go back, and now I'm going to go back to, to Exodus chapter 3. And if you've got your Bible, we're going to throw it up on the screen, but if you've got a Bible, open it up and have a bit of a read through. It might make a little bit more sense if you can lay your own eyes on that. Um, but every... To get to know somebody, to have a relationship with somebody, you've got to be able to communicate. You've got to be, it's got to be a two-way street. There's no relationship if it's only ever one way. If it's only ever one-way traffic, if you're doing the monologue and there's nothing coming back, there is no relationship. It's like... You know, we 
I work here, I'm a chaplain here at this school and there's, you know, there's plenty of occasions where there's sort of, I guess, maybe misguided intentions towards, you know, a boyfriend or girlfriend type thing and, you know, one person might be, yeah, yeah, I love him and he's so fantastic and he's this and he's that and he's like, huh, who's, what's a name like, you know, that sort of thing. You know, like if it's all one-way traffic, it just doesn't add up, like it just doesn't work, there really is no relationship. And I guess sometimes that's how it can feel for us, that's how it can feel for me and I imagine that it may feel similar to you as well. And that's when we are doing all the talking and we don't hear God speaking back to us like it really is hard to make any progress. It really is hard to develop a, a relationship with that. All right, so we're going to go to Exodus chapter 3. And I'm going to use Moses here as a bit of an example. I said that we'd come back to him. All right, so in Exodus chapter 3, we're going to go through this in a little bit more detail. Here's what's happening. Uh, now, Moses was... This is uh, Exodus 3 verse 1. Now, Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led his flocks to the far side of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Okay, so Moses, he's a farmer, he's out in the scrub, he's out in the desert, he's a long way from home, he's on the other side of the whatever, and he's, he's out there with the sheep. So he's a bit isolated, he's by himself, he's, he's just got him and the sheep and, and whatever else is around him. Then verse 2, There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in the flames of fire from within a, burning, within a bush. Moses saw that though... Uh, the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. Okay, point number one, something a little bit unusual happened. Now, remember I told you before, I said, God pursues us. God actually chases us down. God is actually trying frantically to get our attention. This is what he had to do here with Moses. Now, Moses was out chasing sheep, he's out doing his thing, and God says, look, this, I need this guy's attention, we need to have a conversation here. And so he sets this bush on fire, and it doesn't burn up. Okay, so that's a pretty weird thing. Moses has got, he's got, his, he's got Moses' curiosity. Moses thinks, oh, a bit weird. I don't know how long he was watching it for, but he might have seen the smoke to start with and then he saw some flames and then he's gone, all right, what's going on? And he, so he has a bit of a look around and he goes over towards where the fire is. Verse 4, uh, when the Lord saw that he'd gone over to look, okay, Moses creeps over, has a bit of a sneak peek at it, God called him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. Moses said, here I am. Now, at this point, and we'll, and we'll tell you why in a minute, but at this point, Moses doesn't realise that it's God. And I'll tell you why in a minute. Don't know who it might have been, like, but he, he didn't realise it was actually God, but he, all he hears is Moses, Moses, he's gone, yeah, yeah, I'm here, like, you know, all of a sudden he's like, uh, this is a bit weird, this is a bit unusual, all right, what do you want? Okay, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said, Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Verse 6, then he said, I am the God, and this is where God begins to reveal himself. I am the God, your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He begins to give him a bit of a rundown. This is, I'm, I'm God. I'm the God of your forefathers. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. He realises who he was talking to. And quite often, God, I believe, tries to do that with us, where he's like, he's trying to reveal himself to us, he's trying to, hey, it's me speaking, it's me speaking, I'm, I'm here, I'm, I'm wanting to tell you something, I'm, I'm, I want to let you know stuff, and it's like, oh, what's that, like, who's speaking to you? It's me, I'm your God, like, and then Moses clicked and it went, oh, and all of a sudden he was ashamed because it, you, know, you can't look at God and all that sort of stuff, bit of Jewish history going on there, and, and so he quickly hit his face because he knew that he couldn't look at God, and so he realised he realised who he was talking to. You know, if you look through, um, you look through the Bible, and 
you know, if you haven't read much of the Bible, then pick the Bible up and have a read. There's some pretty awesome stuff in it. Or if you've been a Christian for a while, go back to it and, and, and you know, continue reading through the Bible. But all through the Bible, there's just story after story after story of where God reveals himself to different people. And as he reveals himself, there's a few things that happen. One, he has to first get their attention. Two, when the people begin to talk, there's no, there's no hint of, of that they were unsure of who they were speaking with. I mean, maybe to start with, but God makes it very clear and God reassures them that, you know what, it's me, I'm the God, I'm the one who you need to, who's, who's speaking here. And they go, oh, okay, all right. And sometimes for us, maybe, we're all like, oh, is that really from God? And we put out these, you know, we're like these little tests maybe and we're like, oh, is that really God? And if it is, if it's not, I'm not saying anything wrong with tests or anything, but, but you know what I'm saying? Like we're, like, we're not quite sure. I don't know if that's ever happened to you, but sometimes it's like, I'm just not real sure if this is from God or not. And if it is, well, like, oh, if it's not, then, and we've all got these confusions. But here Moses becomes pretty clear, it becomes pretty clear to Moses that this is indeed God speaking. And he, so he covers his face and he, and he goes on. Then the Lord said, and he goes on and he tells him what he wants him to do. I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of the slave drivers and I am and concerned about their suffering. So I've come down and rescue, to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians. And he goes on, he tells him what he wants Moses to do. And that's a pretty important thing itself. But we're going we're to move over that pretty quickly because I want to get to the other end of that, con- or, or a bit further on in that conversation. And he goes on and tells them, look, I want to deliver them. I want to give them a land of milk, flowing with milk and honey. Uh, he says, goes on the end of verse 8, he says, like, no one's going to be able to stand up against you. Um, verse 10, so now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people to the, uh, bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Now here's another pretty sure indicator that Moses knew he was talking to God. You ready? Wait for it. This is in verse 11. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? He was pretty certain he was talking to God because he goes, um, I don't really want to do that, God. And he begins to argue with God. And sometimes that's what we end up doing. Like, sometimes we don't like the message, so then we're like, God's trying to get through to us. And the fact that we don't like the message, we start to go, oh, maybe that's not really what God wants because why would God want that? Because I don't want to be an accountant, I want to be you know, a marketing person, so like, or whatever it might be. And so we begin to like question God Maybe not so much because we didn't hear him, but because he didn't have the right message in our opinion. It's happened to me. I guess it may well have happened to you. And then God does something pretty cool. And I think he does this with a lot of different stories as we go through the Bible and and, and certainly does it here with Moses. And God said to him, ready, wait for this, I will be with you and this will be the sign to you uh, that it is I who have sent you. When you have, bought, uh, when you have bought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. In other words, God reassures Moses. He said, look, I'm with you, it's going to be all right. And you can think of so many different characters who have gone, oh, I have questioned God, and have gone, is this really you, God? Is this really you speaking? He says, no, no, it's cool, it's all right, I'm here. I'm with you, okay? I'm going to get you through this. This is, this is what I would like you to do. This is what I want you to do. Even this is how I'd like you to do it. And we're like, oh, I don't know if I can do that. And he says, no, no, it's going to be cool. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to, be, I'm going to reassure. The question still remains, though. 
Okay, we talk about Moses and everyone goes, yeah, Moses, and everyone's like starting to yawn and fall asleep because we've maybe heard the story a thousand times and go, yeah, well, like, God never had a burning bush and you know what, there's, never, there's only ever one burning bush that's recorded in the whole Old Testament or New Testament for that matter. No one else except for Moses has ever had a burning bush experience, so what's the point? Okay, Neil, you can pull out these big stories, you can, you know, stand up the front and preach and you can say, hey, look, here's this, you know, here's what Moses did and you should have these experiences, but, but fact is that no one here has, as far as I could be, I'm pretty certain, has ever has seen a burning bush that didn't burn up and went over and God said, take your shoes off, you're walking on holy ground and so, you know. The question still remains, comes back right to where we talked about at the start is, how do we know? It's all fine to put in these big stories and I guess that's why they're in the Bible because they're pretty special stories, but how do we know? How do we know what God is saying to us? If God really is intently, uh, in, in uh, really wants to um, speak to us, really wants to get a message through his intent to communicate with us. How does he do that? Because if you're, if you're a Christian and you've been a Christian for a long time, you're probably going, I wish I knew. Or if you're a, you know, not real sure about this whole God's thing, you'd be going, well, just tell me and if I heard it, I'd be right. I'm good to go. But how does God do that? How does he... How does God speak? How does God speak in 2014, nearly 2015? How does God speak to people at Refresh or North Pine or wherever you might be? How does God, how does God get through? How does God speak today? Or does he speak today? And if he, if he does, if yes, how does that happen? Jesus Christ is the Son of God, was the Son of God, is the Son of God and came down from heaven and became a man. In the New Testament, Jesus, in the Gospels, Jesus actually talks about, he says, you know, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If, you've, if you're hearing me speak, you've heard the Father speak. In other words, what he's saying, you listen to me now, you're listening to God. If you listen to my words, you're listening to God's words. And you know what? There's a whole heap of stuff that Jesus said that is recorded, that's written down a lot of it word for word or the stories are written down about what Jesus said and what Jesus did. Often we don't hear God because we don't know God. We don't necessarily know his voice. Um, I'm going to look at a passage in John, in John chapter 10. Um, and we're going, to, we're going to go through this passage. And I'm going to go through this a bit more like a, maybe a workshop than it is a, than it is a sermon or a, or a presentation talk. Um, how do we actually, how do we hear what God has to say? How do we actually make it come alive? How do we, how do we apply that in our lives? And I'd like to suggest that, you know, what Jesus Christ has, has, has said many, many things and, has, um, and, had, and did many things that we can actually take on and we can actually apply to our lives right now. Now, before I lose you, I'd really like you to, to go to John chapter 10, we're going to throw a few things up there in a, in a little bit. And what I would like to do is, I want to go through this. Now, I've got that other slide where it talks about picking a passage, Simar, if you or Richo, if you could throw that up there. Um, now, one of, there's four steps we want to, to actually look at how we might be able to, to, to read the Bible and to actually study that a little bit further, to actually make some of the text come alive. Because I believe that when God... Uh, I believe that God wants to speak to us and He wants us to understand and He wants us to listen. 
But quite often we like, well, well, how does that take, you know, how does that work? And how does that, how does that answer our question? How does that answer a question in, you know, how does that tell me what I need to do when I finish school, for instance? But I'd like to suggest that when we know God, we will hear God. And the things that are stopping, stopping us hearing God is the fact that we don't know his voice. So I've, I've got a few points up there. Now, the first one is pick a passage. So what I'm going to talk about is I'm going to talk about the Bible. I'm going to talk about how do we actually go to the Bible? How do we actually hear God's voice from the Bible? And how can we actually make that and apply that to our life? Because I believe there's so much in the Bible that we can actually, you know what, you can actually use that to, to, um, to answer the questions of everyday life. So there's four points. The first one is pick a passage. The second one is what we're going to do. And we're going to go through an example of this in a minute. The second one is we're going to reread to relive. In other words, what we're going to do is we're going to try and dig a little bit deeper and we're going to try and understand what's going on and we're going to try and understand the original message and how it was and maybe try and gain a few principles of how that is for us in our time. And the third one is what does that tell us or what does this reveal to us about Jesus? What does this reveal to us about Jesus? Then the fourth one we're going to go through is, is how does this, or how can I become like Jesus? All right, so pick a passage, reread to relive, what does this reveal to me about Jesus and how, and how can I be like Jesus? How can I become like Jesus? All right, so they're the, they're the four questions we're going to ask. Is that all right? We're going to cool with that? Yeah? Nope. No one's, no one's shaking their head, so we're going to keep going. That's all right. Um, John chapter 10, verse 1. Here we go. We're going to go through this passage. The first time, we're just going to read it. So, uh, if you're going to read, if you're going to get to know about God, then, you know, like I said, Jesus is God's son. Jesus is God. So, let's talk about Jesus because there's a lot of written about him and he's, he's like a personal face. He's probably like the, the closest. Look, there's a whole heap of other stuff that's great in the Bible too. And don't, don't get me wrong. Read that. Go hard. All good. But probably some of the richest stuff that you'll find some of the richest material, some of the richest text will be in, in some of the gospel messages and that can really reveal to us who God is. And if we want to get to know God, then let's spend some time working out who He is. So, we're going to, we're going to pick a passage. So, I've gone to a gospel, I've chosen this one, but you can choose anything you like, it doesn't matter. Uh, and we're going to go to John chapter 10, verse 1, it says this, I tell you the truth, the man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The man who enters the gate is a sh- uh, the man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has bought when he has bought out all his all he owns, he goes on ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they'll run away from him because they do not recognise a stranger's voice. Okay, so there's the passage. Just read it. Okay, so far. All right, we've picked a passage. What's the second point? You can talk back to me, okay? So there's a little bit of talk. I'm going to encourage, see how I go here. I'll start walking around around the room here in a minute, see if I can encourage, encourage a little bit of feedback this morning, okay? So the first, pa- the first uh, point was, remember it, what was it? Pick a passage, excellent. So what was the second point? Reread to relive, excellent. Okay, so let's reread to relive it. Uh, if you've got your own Bible, you might want to scan around, might be a little bit easier, but again, we will throw this text up on the screen. Um, first question, before we actually, well, you can read it by yourself there if you've got it in front of you. Who's he talking to? I'm hearing it, just a little bit shy. Pharisees, all right. Okay, so he's talking to some Pharisees. Who are the Pharisees? Who are the Pharisees? 
Okay, Pharisees are like religious leaders, they're like the pastors and all things bad. No, they're like, okay, they're, they're like these religious leaders, they're the, the, you know, bit of church and state thing going on, they rule the country a little bit as well, although they're under the, under the uh, authorities of the Romans, but they've they got a fair bit of, a bit of clout when it comes to authority. Okay, so he's talking to them uh, and he says, he says, I'll tell you the truth, uh, he, he talks about, uh, we're going to back to verse 1, the man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and robber. The man who enters the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. What do you think he's saying there? All right, who are the sheep? What, like, is this, like, is this literal sheep? Are we talking about a shepherd? Are we like literal shepherd? Like a guy with, you know, you see in the nearly Christmas, you know, the whole nativity scene with a hook thing and a, you know, a t- you know, tea towel around his head, all that sort of stuff. Like, who, who is a shepherd? Like, is this, is this a parable? What are we talking here? Okay, it's a parable, okay, so it's a bit like, okay, it's like a, a parable, so it's, it's a parallel, okay, so it's like not the real deal, okay, he's not actually talking about sheep that go back with four legs, all that sort of stuff, he's actually talking about, who are the sheep? You know, we've got us, we've got people, we've got, who's the sheep? In the story, in this story, we're not applying it, let, in this story, who are the sheep? Jews, okay, Jews or, or God's, you know, the good people at the time, okay, well done, good. Who's the shepherd? Jesus. Okay, is that making sense so far? Okay, all pretty straightforward, you know, just, just a little bit of exercise, just warming his up, all that stuff. All right, uh, he, t- he talks about this guy who jumps in the back door a little bit. Who, where do you think that's going? Satan, devil, bad people, generally. Back to the Pharisees again. Okay, devil, Pharisees, all same sentence, okay. Um, all right, so he's talking about, so what, why is he talking about this? Any idea? Why has this subject come up? In fact, if you want to really know about that, you might have to actually go back to, verse, uh, to chapter 9 and have a bit of a look around. I don't know if anyone's got a Bible in front of them, wants to just go back to chapter 9, have a bit of a look. Why is he talking about this? Okay, he's trying to reveal Jesus as the Messiah. Alright, yeah, anyone else? I haven't got chapter 9 up on the screen up there, but that's alright. But Alright, so he's had a bit of a run-in with these guys and he's had a bit of an argument. He's saying, look, hey, here's, there's a good way to go, basically, and there's a bad way to go and there's some people who are going to try and deceive you or try and sort of lead you astray a little bit. And I guess he's comparing that compared to Jesus Christ or the Messiah himself. That making sense? Not saying anything too far out of place here? All good? All right, so, so he goes through here and he starts talking about the man who enters the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. In other words, this guy, and it, I'll back it up a little bit. Old days, Jewish times, uh, the sheep are all wandering around the wilderness, you know, this would have been what Moses did. Come night time, there's a few bad things happening out there at night, you know, there's where there could be wild animals, there could be um, people who obviously try and steal and destroy, all that sort of stuff. So they'd bring all their sheep in, they'd put them in a, a pen, uh, whether that pen be made of, of stone or, or what, logs or, or even inside a building sometimes, depends where they were, so they'd bring all the sheep in and they'd protect them for the night. Okay, so that's when we're talking about here, he says, the, the sheep pen, okay? Just make sure you understand that. Okay, so then he says, look, if someone tries to break in, they're obviously going to be a thief and a robber. Now, we'll get on to why the shepherd comes to the front gate. The watchman opens the gate for him, this is verse 3. What's a watchman? 
I don't know either. Okay, good. Um, I guess a watchman would just be, there's, there could be, what would often happen is they might have a big sheep pen and there would be actually, there might be several herds of sheep from different owners and they'd actually all pen them in together, okay? So I guess a watchman would be either the shepherd or one of the shepherds or, or who knows, just a random guy potentially. Um, he opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. Talking about the shepherd still, yeah? He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Okay, we're getting, we're getting into the meat of it here. So we're digging deep, we're, we're rereading to relive it, we're digging a little bit deeper. Here it says, he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. What happens there? What's going on with that? He knows them. Why is he wanting to lead them out? Like, what's going on? Why? There's a bit of presumption going on here and there's things you probably already know, but if you just would just say, say the obvious, there's no trick questions. Why is he, going to lead, why is he wanting to lead his sheep out of the pen? Okay, so they're off in the ne- that next morning, they're off to go and get food or water and take them to the pasture, all that sort of stuff. There's a whole, remember, there's a whole heap of sheep in this pen, they're all mixed up. The shepherd goes to the front gate, calls them by name. All right, so first, thing, first point, shepherd knows the sheep's name. Okay, that's, that's implied. When he has bought, uh, he calls out his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he, call, when he has bought out all his, uh, so all he owns, he goes ahead of them and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. He stands at the gate, he calls them by name, then what happens? They listen and do what? Follow. Listen and follow. Sort of get the picture of what's going on there? Pretty cool, right? So they're in the shit, they listen to him and, and they follow. Um, because they know his voice. Okay, they know who their shepherd is. Uh, they will never, but they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they'll run away from him because they do not recognise a stranger's voice. And in other words, he's saying, if someone else comes to the gate, even if they call out and they say, you know, hey Gail, you know, hey Mick, hey Anna, or whoever it might be, and start calling out all their flock, sorry to pick on you guys, but um, they're going to go, nah, even though they're calling my name, I don't know the voice. Now, little, little interlude, Ooh, run out of time. I, um, we used to have a few sheep when I was a kid. My dad's here, mum's here today as well. They'll be able to tell me, tell you if I'm lying or not. Um, but we used to, every now and then we'd get some orphan lambs. And we used to bottle feed these orphan lambs. And one time we had this lamb, his name was Jack. And quite often what we'd have is, maybe, you know, there might be over a season, you might get three or four or maybe even five or six lambs at a time and you'd have to have all these little lambs. And that all sort of hang around to themselves because lambs are mob, like they live in mobs, a bit like people do. We all like to come together, that's what sheep do. And they all hang out together. But this one particular lamb, Jack, we, he didn't have any friends. Uh, he was all alone. He, we only had one orphan that time. And so we bottle fed this, this little lamb, Jack, and he grew up. And he didn't have any other sheep to hang around. Okay, you can all sigh about now. Oh, no, it wasn't that bad. But he did have some friends, and they, they, had, um, they were also four-legged, but they wagged their tails quite a lot. And they were all the dogs. Okay, we had a few dogs. And so he used to hang around with the dogs all the time. So this one sheep, Jack, uh, he became a dog sheep. Uh, he wasn't a sheep dog, he became a dog sheep. In fact, he used to, he used to follow, follow us around, like we'd jump on the horses and we'd go and muster the rest of the sheep. Uh, he actually still thought that he was a dog, not a sheep. And he would actually follow the horses, he'd follow the other dogs, he'd, he'd run in amongst the mob, but he'd, he'd always, like, he just was never part of them. And, and I guess what I'm saying in this story is because 
uh, yeah, he knew his name. Like, you'd only have to crack the door in the morning when he, was, when he was younger and you'd be still bottle feeding this sheep. You'd have to crack the door in the morning and he'd be straight at the back door ready for his bottle or you'd call his name um, and he'd be there. He knew who he was. Well, sort of. He had a bit of an identity issue, but <laughs> he knew his name and he knew, and he knew you know, that he was part of the dog family. Like, he knew that. Like, he, he, you know, even though you might think sheep are really dumb, like, I still do a bit, but they have the capability of really understanding and I could well imagine that back in the day, if you're living with these sheep 24 hours a day, they'd get to know who you are. And the fact here is that these sheep that Jesus is talking about knew his name. Pick a passage, re to relive. What does this tell us about Jesus? What does this tell us about, what does this reveal to us about Jesus? This is a little bit of a practical application question now. So we've sort of reread it to relive it and we can spend a lot more time reliving it. We haven't got a lot of time here. We're just trying to do a quick example. But what does this reveal to us about Jesus? What does this story reveal to us about Jesus? There could be a whole heap of things. Give us, some, give, us, give us something. What have we got? What do you think this reveals to us about Jesus? He knows us. He wants us to know him. Correct. We know him. In his example, he says, the people who are really connected with me, they know me. They know my voice. They listen to me. They follow me wherever I go. If they're not mine, or if another sheep, another shepherd turns up in this story and says, hey, Neil, come on. It's like, yeah, who are you? They know who, you are. They know who their master is, they know who their shepherd is, and they know who their shepherd is not. What else? Spends time with... Okay, Jesus... If we're looking at what this, this parallel, this parable, Jesus spends all day, every day with the sheep. Jesus wants to be in a relationship with people at Refresh this morning. Jesus wants to be in a relationship with you. He wants to spend time with you. And quite often we ask ourselves like, oh, what should I do here? And, and quite often we find ourselves opening the gate not really knowing who Jesus is, potentially, not really understanding the voice, we open the gate and like what would have happened except for Jack, but all the other sheep that we ever let go out of a gate, as soon as you open a gate, the sheep all just bolt and they all jump over a pretend stick somewhere altogether. Don't know why they do that. But they all bolt and they all go in different directions and they all sort of just take off out of the paddock together because, you know, being in a pen is the last thing they want to be because they don't know their shepherd. And frankly, I didn't really want to know the sheep either, you know, but Jesus wants to spend time with you. Jesus wants us in a relationship and quite often we run ahead of Jesus and we run so far ahead and we're like, we're like we've bolted out of the pen and we're looking back and we're saying, should I go left or right? Should I go left or right? What's Jesus? What's Jesus doing here in this example? He's leading them. You get it? He's leading them and they are following him. You know what? They trust Jesus. They trust the shepherd. These sheep that Jesus is talking about trust the shepherd so much that the, the destination is not important. They trust that their shepherd will take them to where they need to go. The destination is not an important thing. The journey is what's matters. Spending time with the shepherd is what's ma what's matters. They know that he'll take them to the best pasture available. And they, they know that by 10 o'clock in the morning they're going to need a drink or whatever it might be. 
Cool, huh? Pick a passage. Reread it to relive it. Get to know who Jesus is. And here in this very passage in IK, I was a bit slow. I picked this passage deliberately because it sort of talks about exactly what we want to be talking about. But spending time with Jesus is what he's really looking for. He speaks to us. All right, last point. Got to get this out of here. Last point. How do I become like Jesus? Or how do I apply these principles? How do I apply these spiritual principles? How do I become like Christ? Or how do I put into practice what he's given? Say it again. With the aid of the Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit work on us. Scriptures, reading the Scriptures. Yeah, getting to know Him. If we don't spend time getting to know Him, like we will forever be going, I just never hear from God. I wish I could hear from God. I wish God would speak to me. He is. He does it all the time. If you... What's one thing? What, what, in this passage, we talk about the application still here from it. What's one thing that we potentially could put in practice this afternoon based on what we just read? One thing. Give me, give me some examples. What's one thing that you might come up with? One thing that we could actually physically put in place because of what we just read that would be like, I think this God, God is talking to me. I think God was just spoken to me in this area. Say it again. Pray. Good one. Yep, talking with, the, talking with the shepherd. Spending time. What else? Excellent. Be still. Don't run off ahead of stuff. Just stop and let God catch up. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, just, just hang about for a bit. Just slow down, Turbo. You know, like, just, just, let, just let God, you know, just, just hang with God. What else? Anything? Trust. Trust that God's going to take you to the right place at the right time. How's that going to look for you this afternoon? Bring it into this afternoon question. Or tomorrow morning or whatever it might be, but in the very near future. It gets a bit harder, doesn't it? Huh? It's a bit tricky because all of a sudden, like, oh, I'm not, I'm not really used to thinking about that. Like, oh, that's a bit difficult. Neil, don't ask so many hard questions, you know? Like, okay, well, let's talk about the theory, but like, let's put it into practice. Like, it's... Well, what about picking up the scriptures? What about reading a little bit? What about, you know, we already talked about that, getting to know. And if you, if you just did one thing, if you just spent even 10 minutes today sometime or tomorrow sometime praying or reading your Bible that you didn't, wouldn't normally do, that would be a fair enough application for this passage, yeah? Yeah, getting to know God, yeah, yeah, a few nods. If you could do that, you know what? Because of what you read today, your life has just been changed and you've encountered Jesus Christ. You've just had an experience with Jesus. The Bible has just been able to reveal to you, and this is what we've been talking about, this whole experience in God and the fact that God speaks to us. And when God speaks to us, that is an encounter with Christ. When you open the Bible up and you see what the Bible has to say, that is, a, that is an experience with God. It mightn't be the boom of the voice, but it's the, hey, I'd, I just want to hang with you. I just want us to journey together. Quite often we wait for that, that big boom, that big voice. never comes. Why? Because that's not how it works. God says, let's just hang together. And I can... I'll put on the, the pastor's voice or something. You say, as a pastor, I can tell you this. But 
when you do read your Bible, when you do pray with God, you do draw close to Him. And I fully, I really do believe the reason, or some of the reasons at least, maybe not every, but some of the reasons why we don't know, we don't hear from God, is because we don't know God. We haven't learned to hear His voice so well. And even based on this passage alone, I would encourage you to actually spend some time. You know, what, what would happen if you did that? Even when your day got really busy, even when you had a real busy day in front of you, you went, right, I'm going to prioritise this, I'm going to spend 15 to half an hour, an hour, I don't know, whatever time you come up with, I'm going to spend some good, solid time learning to hear God's voice through the Scriptures and through prayer, having it a two-way conversation, digging deeper, you know, using that little simple thing, you know, pick a passage, reread it to relive it, get a background understanding, what is it telling me about Jesus and how can I become like Him? Pretty straightforward, like reread it, what does it tell me about Christ and I want to be like Jesus? If I spend a bit of time just doing something, that's not the only way to read the Bible, that's just a simple little thing to try and maybe remember, but what would happen if you did that even when you were you're really busy or when you had big decisions coming up in your life? I can tell you from experience, lots of different times when I've, you've had something, you go, I don't, know, I don't know what I'm going to do today or there's an experience that happens, but you read your Bible that morning and you might not even, it might not even hit you till later in the day and you went, ah, you know what, I was just reading about that this morning and I've been able to apply it today. That's an experience with God. That's an encounter with God. That's God at work. And that's cool. We can all have that. It's a real simple thing. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you so very much that you are there, that you are real, that even though, yeah, we don't hear the voice like Moses maybe, um, but we still hear you. We can still literally you know, read the words that you have to say to us. We can still pray. We can still be impressed by your spirit. And there's lots of other ways as well. Uh, um, but we do know, and I'm certain that, you know, you are often screaming out to us. But we're probably a little bit busy to hear it. And I just pray that we can cut the noise back. We can pare away all those um, distractions in our lives and that we can hear your voice and that we can just journey in life with you. Thanks, Jesus. Amen.